welcome back everyone to another episode of what's the story with jillian and shauna today we're covering episode 14 of season one of wishbone the hunchdog of notre dame um very obviously it is about the hunchback of notre dame and just right off the bat i'm gonna tell you i loved this episode from start to finish i thought everything about it was great so good. so i'm super excited to dig in um the story centers on the hunchback of notre dame like i said written by victor hugo in the eighth early 1800s 1829 um originally under the title notre dame de paris um and so i've actually i've never read this book but i think my the most obvious connection is the uh disney movie from the 90s um shauna do you have any other connections to the book no, I think that d besides that, and maybe we talked about it in French class, probably um, that's kind of it. But the movie was a big part of our childhoods. Like yeah. it came out actually the same year as this episode. Um, oh, I looked it up because the costumes look like identical to the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, it all comes together now. For sure. Yeah, I remember not actually loving that movie that much as a kid, but that it was, like, everywhere. Like, I feel like there was, like, a big promotion at McDonald's, and, like, it was a very popular movie, and Jason Alexander was in it, and he was having, like, a, a really popular time, like, with Seinfeld and uh, the Disney, ver or the Cinderella version, where he played the king. No, he was, like, um, he was, like, a side guy, because... Oh, yeah, 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 he was, like, the, like, the... Court advisor or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I watched it, like, a month and a half ago. <laughs> You're right. The king was Asian, wasn't he? It's like what no, was, the the prince was Asian. The king was Victor Garber, and the queen oh, was Victor Goldberg. But Whoopi Goldberg might also be one of the gargoyles in this movie. I think she is. Either that, she I, is. maybe she's just in Lion King, but I thought she was in this too. She might be. Actually, the other thing I thought of related to French class was our French teacher used to let, have gargoyles in her classroom, and she would say gargouille all the time, and that's like a French word that I remember. I, don't know. I do not remember that. I'm I don't know how to spell it. Actually, I was going to write it in my notes, and I don't know how to spell it at all. It could have been wrong, though, because as we learned later in life, when we went to college, our French teacher was not exactly great at French all the time, so. All right, so should we hop into the episode? There's tons of good stuff to talk about here. Yes, I am so excited. Before the before we recorded, I texted Jillian, like, everything in this is amazing. <laughs> it's so good. Well, so let's just get this on the line, like, out in the open right away. This centers around roller hockey, and I am perhaps the biggest Mighty Ducks fan that ever existed. So I was loving it from start to finish. <laughs> I was just so into this plot line, 100%. Um, so it opens and the kids are playing hockey on roller, like roller hockey in a Indoors. gym. Yeah. Because it's the 90s and like, why not? Um, I kind of wish they had been playing street hockey. That would have been more fun, but. Probably would have been harder to film. Probably. They were in a gym. Um, and they show Sam quite a bit and she's like skating backwards and doing like crossovers and stuff. very talented. She was very good. And I was checking, like, I didn't think that that was a stunt skater. I think it was oh, actually I think it was her. Skating backwards, yeah. She was very good. I wonder if she has like a figure skating background. That's how good I thought she was. Yeah, she's very coordinated. I do. <laughs> she's so um, good. 
And Wishbone is, of course, there watching. I'm not sure if it was, like, gym class. I, well, at first, I, I don't think it was. But at first, I thought it was a gym class. And I was like, what the, how did Wishbone end up in school now? Before, he was just outside the school. Now he's in the school. But I think this was just an after-school activity, which is also weird. I don't know why Wishbone was in the school. But there I think he was. they're just playing for fun. Like, they're like, oh, like, we're, like, we're really into roller hockey this week. Like, let's go. But how did they get into the school? It might have been, maybe it was a YMCA, like, it could have just been an well, yeah. As a former YMCA employee, they don't just let Jack Russell Terriers in there, like, you know, they own the joint, although Wishbone is the mayor of Oakdale, as we established yeah. last episode, so perhaps that's how he got in. He probably has a key to the city and the YMCA. Key to the city, that was good. <laughs> good job. <laughs> Um, and also, I'd love to comment on two things um, that I will repeat like 15 times. There's amazing synthy 90s music throughout yes. all the skating scenes. And the camera work is also very 90s, like music video, like edgy, yes. like angles. It's editing. It's very good. Yes, it was so good. Um, so wish was watching them play hockey and he says, Perhaps his best quote yet. I just don't understand their fascination with wheels. <laughs> to which I was like, Feeny agrees 100%. My <laughs> dog hates anything on wheels. She, <laughs> she hates my bicycle. She hates kids on scooters. She hates kids on rollerblades. She really hates kids on skateboards. Like nothing enrages her more. And we live, oh. in, a very, we live in a very child-heavy uh, neighborhood. There are always kids running up and down the street. There are always kids on some sort of wheeled something. And she will, like, if you're taking her for a walk, she will lunge and, like, rip your arm out of its socket. If she's in the front of the house, she will, like, charge the window. She hates it. Oh, my gosh. It's it's something, it's a mess, honestly. <laughs> and I think she and Wishbone agree. Your next neighborhood is going to have to be, like, people our age or like people are about to retire <laughs> I'm gonna have to like go live in the country where there are no people I don't know she really hates it wow and I did I do have one neighbor who was very understanding she had like three kids in front of her yard that were all on bikes at the beginning of the summer and I walked I walked Feeny past and she was Feeny started to get kind of like upset and I said sorry she just doesn't like wheels and then she made all the kids stop and she was like it's okay some dogs are afraid of wheels she's like talking to the kids like this dog doesn't like it when we ride our bikes, so we'll just wait. And, like, made the kids stop until we walked past. And it was so kind. And I, like, was so grateful because Feeny just gets so worked up. And then if they're not moving, Feeny just, like, walks past them. She doesn't notice. But once they start moving, she freaks out. That is Ellen Talbot level parenting right there. I know. She's, like, explaining to the kids, like, our dog doesn't mind, but this dog doesn't like it, so we'll just wait. Like, she was such a good mom and, like, such a good neighbor. And didn't, like, shame me for having a psychopath on a leash, which a lot of my neighbors do. She can't help it. She's just a dog. I know. I know. She, some of my neighbors happening. are very understanding and some of them are not. And this lady, she was next level understanding. Wow, that's amazing. So, anyway, back to Wishbone. The kids are, like, skating around and they, like, get over to the goal and they're, like, talking about how great they are. And DeMont rolls up. DeMont, that kid, he's trouble. So he's like, okay, we were just practicing, but now let's play for real. So they start to pick sides. And then there's this kid who's very wobbly. We later find out that his name is Nathaniel, but we didn't know that at first. Nathaniel. Although, have we seen? <laughs> what? 
we've met him in a few episodes. We just yeah, Nathaniel Wobblewasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my notes, I just called him Wobbly Kid for a while. He was very wobbly. He, he kept wobbly. falling down. He kept falling down, and then he was wearing his helmet very far back on his head. And for someone who falls a lot, he should really have it more securely attached so that he doesn't get any sort of PBI. I also just noticed, yeah. I also noticed it was a bike helmet. So like, and everybody else had like real like kind of hockey helmets. Um, uh-huh. So I wonder if this was like his first kind of foray. We, as the story goes on, it becomes a little bit more obvious that this is kind of his first foray into like group roller hockey dynamics so that's why he doesn't and i agree about his bike helmet not being in the right place <laughs> i mean i don't think it's a, i don't think it's bad to wear a bike helmet for rollerblading but I mean, like um so i guess that's where i meant like maybe he wasn't wearing it right oh um, yeah 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 he but the other thing i'm thinking of is maybe for filming like if he's wearing it for real like you couldn't see his face so maybe, maybe they had him um wear it wrong for for camera i could have tightened the strap at least it was sliding all over the place it was it he was, was gonna get it he was gonna get a concussion or something i was scared for him i agree anyway. and then another thing i wanted to comment on before we walk away is yeah. wishbones um comments around wheels also connect to a skateboard that we see him standing near which is samantha's skateboard because of course she has a skateboard and of course she is like perfect at everything including skating around town <laughs> skateboarding is hard too i'm yeah she's very talented she's perfect at every sport um so nathaniel keeps falling down and he's like laying on the ground and demont's team is laughing at him and they won't like he should be on their team because he was the last kid left after they picked sides and demont wouldn't take him on the team and then joe should have been an adult and been like I will take Nathaniel. You need an even number of people. So ridiculous. He would not put Nathaniel on his own team either. He was not a good friend. It was so wild. Demond is like, and his team are laughing at Nathaniel, and Joe and David are like trying to hold back their laughing. So then we flash forward to see him like rollerblading around, but I don't know whose team he was on. I have notes on this. So so DeMont refuses to take Nathaniel, and then, as you mentioned, like, Joe doesn't want him either. So Sam says, we'll take him, um, we'll, Sam says, we'll take him and I'll sit out, so we have the right number of people. She's like, he wants to play, like, I'll sit out. And Joe and David get super annoyed. They're like, but the three of us are a team. Right. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you have a whole team outside of your little trio. <laughs> like, and Sam is like, what's wrong with you people? Like, he just wants to play. Like, I'm going to sit out and let him play. And they don't want to. Oh, so that's how he ends up playing. I remember that whole exchange, but I didn't remember it being resolved. Okay, yes. that makes sense. So he's really struggling to stay upright and people keep like knocking into him and like pushing him over and just not being nice and then Demond says to his friends like watch this and he goes and like spins him around and then he falls Nathaniel falls again I was just like very upset it was very like I don't know I just felt bad for him and everyone was laughing at him and like you can just feel the embarrassment and also like he's just trying to try and he like can't even do that. Like, I don't know. It was I was wrecked actually. It was very sad. I related a lot as as someone who's like really, really bad at sports, I never would have put myself out there. So I thought he was really brave and courageous for putting himself out there and not feeling like truly not feeling like he was at the level of the other kids. 
Um, and when he fell that last time, when Javon like spun him in a circle and made him fall, the music is also becomes very sad orchestral music instead of like the synthy 90s music. So really like tugs at your heartstrings. Like they do a lot in terms of like production and camera and music and stuff like that to like the focus on his face a lot. Like he's really upset and it's very, very relatable. And he like did a very good job of making a pitiful face. Like he did. He was just so, it was like really killing me. Um, so of course Sam is very kind and helps him up and says she's going to teach Nathaniel how to skate and like skates out with him and like kind of holds him up to get him out the door. I was like, girl, take his skates off and let him walk out with some dignity. <laughs> no. <laughs> Takes too long to take him off. It's true. So next we see Joe and David are sitting in Joe's kitchen, just like, so I wanna, sad. I want to take note one note because I think there's actually a really good exchange that you missed. I hate to interrupt you again. Um, so, no, when Sam, me. so when Sam says she's gonna teach them how to skate, like Joe is like, what? And Damont is like, what? And then Sam says, what? It's not like you've never fallen in front of everyone and embarrassed yourself in front of everyone. Like, she makes a very good point. They all did this. Maybe it was like a year or two ago, but it's so easy to like forget. And yeah. um, this happens a lot with like adults and like workout classes a lot. Like um, my one, my one of many digressions here is that like when I started CrossFit last year, it was the first thing I'd ever done where I really felt like it was actually for people of all levels. Like any other exercise I've ever done, any other class I've ever done, like people don't acknowledge how hard it is when you start and people just expect you to like be able to spin at the level that they're spinning at or like doing Pilates or yoga or whatever at every level. But the reality is everyone is going to be different. And um, or want to do it at that level too, yes, right? Like exactly. maybe that's not the speed you want to be at. Exactly. So I really respected Sam for remembering what it's like to not be great at something, even though she's so good at so many things. Maybe that's why she knows what it feels like to not be good at things. So very good point. Yeah. But um, oh, oh my gosh, you also missed <laughs> another amazing moment. So Demont is really funny here because Joe and David are like really, really pissed that this happens. And Demont like puts his arms around Joe and David and he goes, well, this is an interesting development, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it, and this is like where, yeah, it was just very funny. Like, I just thought it was funny because Sam does have other friends besides Joe and David, but like, this is the first we've really seen them become so possessive about yeah. her. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's like, the whole thing is so 90s. Like, I've, like from start to finish, everything about it, like DeMont, the DeMont character is very 90s. The yeah. Hockey is very 90s. Everything is 90s. Yes. Um, so next we see Joe and David and wishbone and they're all very sad because sam hasn't been around and i don't want to shame ellen what for six days sam hasn't been around for six days i yes and i don't want to shame ellen but her floor was very dusty when i showed <laughs> wishbone and i also have a very dusty floor so i'm really not shaming i was just surprised that no one swept the floor before they filmed it was very weird i didn't even notice well i noticed so um, they're very sad because Sam has been gone. She's been hanging out with Nathaniel Bobolesky. Like, that's how <laughs> David says it. He's very, he's very worked out. 
And Ellen says, well, maybe Sam likes him. Like, maybe this is a thing. Maybe they're dating. And the boys are just, like, outraged <laughs> that this could happen. <laughs> like, ew, Nathaniel Bobolaski, she wouldn't like him. I'm like, I don't think it's classic, classic. Three teen boys and a girl. They just don't yeah. even think about her like a girl. They just think of her as another one of the guys. Yeah. We've seen this with Harry and Ron. We've seen this with Pacey and Dawson. I'm sure we've seen it with Penga. Yeah. Corey and Sean. I can't even believe I forgot about them. <laughs> oh my God. Except Corey had hard eyes for Topanga from day one. From day one. Well, we don't. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. But yeah, this is a good point. But either way, another classic example. Classic example. Yeah. <laughs> most classic. Jillian also loves Boy Meets World in addition to my The dog. most. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought this scene was so good. The way that the boys are, outrage was a really good word for it. They were just simply so shocked. And it was interesting because like she has friends who are, you know, not boys. So we've seen her interact with them and they know she has relationships with people out, outside of them but this but they only have her and each other <laughs> it's true and they're just like he is not her boyfriend <laughs> no it's actually very similar to harry and ron and corey and sean they only have each other and you know topanga or hermione and then the girls have like a whole life outside of these two boys yeah <laughs> 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 the boys are just like we only have each other it's so true like even harry doesn't even become like is luna his first friend like outside of harry and ron and even then like he doesn't really see her as a friend until they're like 17 years old (laughs) oh very troubling so boys just don't mature this is just like all my group chats this is all we talk about like guys just mature at a different rate as like people who if they ever mature at all if they ever mature i've been told that they sometimes mature in their late 30s but there's some time (laughs) several decades earlier joe and david are having the same concerns that men we know today are having (laughs) very true and they're just like gosh you know she's never acted like this before it's wild. <laughs> but yeah, they sounded very Texan to me in this episode too. <laughs> I really have not heard this Texan at all, but I will look out for it next time. So Wishbone decides to take matters in his own hands, per usual, and goes to find Sam and Nathaniel and get to the bottom of this. And he goes to Sam's house, finds them right away, where exactly where you'd expect them to be. They're coming back from a rollerblading lesson. And <laughs> Wishbone's talking about how he's going to, like, chaperone their date. He's going to hang out with them. And, like, he's just going to sit in the corner and keep his eye on them. And I thought that was all very funny. Um, and they're also just not shocked to see him. Sam's like, what are you doing here? Doesn't call And Jay. then she just, like, lets him in and, yeah. like... She doesn't call Joe to be like, hey, by the way, your dog's here. Like, it's so yeah. weird that he's everywhere. <laughs> and so Sam like, goes to get Nathaniel a glass of water, I think. And she leaves the room and he sits down. He's like looking at this picture of her and her dad. And he says to her, he hasn't seen his dad since he was seven um, when his parents divorced. And he used to want them to get 
back together, but now he realizes that isn't a good idea. And he asks Sam, like, did you ever feel that way? And she talks about it and says, like, you know, like, she, she did feel that way, but, like, you know, she keeps this, um, she keeps this glass unicorn as a reminder of, like, the good times that her family had before her parents got divorced, and, like, as a reminder of, like, things used to be okay, and we were a happy family, and, like, things are just different now. She doesn't seem upset about it. She seems pretty pragmatic about it. Yeah, I actually uh, think that exchange a lot, because, as adults, we can see, like, oh, that's probably why they're kind of spending time together. Like, they have this thing in common, and it's, like, a traumatic thing that kids go through. And because yeah. initially, when he said, I haven't seen my dad since I was seven, I was like, he should be friends with Joe. Like, Joe doesn't have a dad. But then I was like, oh, it's divorce. That's totally different. Yeah, it's totally different. And, and like, maybe there just aren't a lot of kids with divorced parents at their school, or, you know, maybe they're just both, like, embarrassed to talk about it. I don't know. You know, it's just nice to have Maybe somebody. he was new last year, new this year. Like, we don't know. Yeah. So, <laughs> while this is all going on, Wishbone goes into the kitchen, and he sees Sam's skateboard, and he decides that he's going to, like, <laughs> ride this skateboard. So, he rides the skateboard into the room where the kids are, Nathaniel jumps up when Sam shouts at Wishbone, bumps into Sam, the unicorn goes, goes flying out of her hand, but then Nathaniel reaches out and catches it like a champ, like, just snatches it out of midair. Amazing. So, obviously, we know that perhaps he should be playing baseball and not <laughs> hockey, but it's, okay. It's huge. Yeah, it's a big Little League state, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, we yeah, football. Yeah, football. He could, football. Yeah. he could be playing football. What's happening? Got to call Coach Taylor, and he's ready. True. So, um, the next scene we see, they're like the kids are going back to the hockey game, um, and Sam is like, "I've got a great idea. Nathaniel's going to be awesome." He tells the she tells the kids like, "He's ready. He's like, I've trained him up. He's good to go." And he is playing goalie, which makes a ton of sense. Uh, Julie the Cat Gaffney also has a fast glove in the Mighty Ducks, so she and Nathaniel can relate. Um, and he's an excellent goalie. He's wearing a baseball mitt, so perhaps that's from his baseball season for later. And, and I do so, think that this whole, sorry, <laughs> this whole kind of episode, um, Sam really knows that Nathaniel wants to, like, break the ice with the guys, and, like, yeah. that's why he wants to do all this, and that's why she's going out of her way to, like, help him play and like help him like you know get integrated I like no boy's gonna do that <laughs> like no boy would have been like oh like I know you just like want to have be our friend like let's figure out what you're good at like no if not for Sam this wouldn't have happened right well I think like you know it's possible that Sam has experienced what it feels like to be kind of the odd one out and like to not fit in or to not relate to the kids in some way. And so she's just trying to help. And like, that's so admirable. I think like, even as an adult, like I have, to, I like to think that I'm like really friendly and welcoming, but I have to remind myself like what it feels like to be the new person at work or what it feels like, you know, to not, not know anybody in the room and like to try to like bridge the gap for people who are feeling that way because it's hard. Yeah, I, admirable is a good word to describe it. It is definitely. 
So then there's a very long scene of the kids playing hockey back to the like um, 90s music video montage that Shauna was talking about earlier. It's just like lots of hockey scene. Um, and then the, the, uh, the kids win when Nathaniel catches the last shot and DeMont wipes out as he's like making the goal, just like totally bites it. And then DeMont says that he wants him for his team next time, but Joe and Tim and David are like, nope, he's on our team now. You can't have him. And now they're just a happy hockey team. They're so happy. It was good. I loved it. I loved, I loved every part of this. I loved it. It was so good. It was a very quality episode. Every character was great. Every, like, every character, like, moved the story forward. Um, yep. I thought it was great. I loved seeing the kids interact and play. I loved, I loved seeing Damont in a capacity that was not, he's just Joe's enemy because uh -huh. that's all these kids are like, you're just kind of in each other's lives in grade school. Even if you, someone kind of is your enemy, like you still have to play pickup hockey with them because you need six people on the team. Like, yep. Well, and I think like, yeah, I think that he, he felt like a much more well-rounded character than we normally see. Like, at the end, he was like, oh, I want this kid on my team. You know, he wasn't just, like, salty and walked away, which he did in the basketball tournament or, like, the shooting competition. Um, so I think, yeah, I think he was a much better character than normal. Yeah, I think that's a really good observation. Unlike the last episode, I think that this did a very good job of tying to the Hunchback of Notre Dame. It really made sense, whereas, like, the Ivanhoe character did not make sense with the wishbone plot. This, I thought, you could see a very easy parallel. Yeah. Um, so the story opens with Quasimodo, who is uh, wishbone, um, and he lives in Notre Dame Cathedral, and he is the person responsible for ringing the bell. Uh, or the bells in the in the church, and so I thought was what I thought was interesting about this is that they didn't make a very big deal about the fact that like the reason why Quasimodo is an outcast in society is that he's like horribly disfigured and like has a hunchback and like has a disfigured face, and they don't talk about that really at all. Like the Wishbone character has like a pillow on his back, but they don't really mention it very much, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, they didn't mention it right away, but you can kind of infer it from the way that the townspeople interact with him later on. Like, yeah, later, but like... I agree. Right at the beginning, they don't say, there are things wrong with him. It's more like, hey, here's Quasimodo. He rings the bells. Yeah. Whole person. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, also, they show... <laughs> They show him in the tower and there's a gargoyle and it's a basset hound and that was so funny. So the Feast of Fools is happening in the streets and Quasimodo feels left out like he wants to participate and then he does get to participate when he's crowned the Prince of Fools and he's like paraded through the town wearing a very cute little hat but he is like made fun of and then that's you're right that's where they're like jeering at him and telling him that he's ugly and um, really mocking him again as we noticed in last week's episode or, or in the last episode everyone has very red faces I don't know what that's about I don't know what's happening in this I was like are the people red or are they dirty they look great like I just couldn't tell <laughs> the poor quality of the video yeah we see um Esmeralda she is described as a gypsy which is not like 
proper terminology, but she's um, she's dancing with her tambourine and she looks very fancy. <laughs> like she's not fancy, but she looks like seductive is not the right word. It looks like the character in the Disney movie. She's like sexy. Yeah, she's sexy. <laughs> she's like enchanting. She's like yeah. kind of mesmerized. So Quasimodo is like staring at her. He's just like so like enthralled. And then this guy in a very funny hat, who does look exactly like the character from the Disney movie, um, named Don Dom Claude Froyo. Froyo? Froyo, I think it is, is um, he's also very smitten with Esmeralda. And so he takes Quasimodo from the, this part I thought was confusing. But he takes Quasimodo from the festival and says, you know I'm your master, so you have to come with me. And then they're like at a tavern and he says to Quasimodo, like, you have to go get Esmeralda for me. I want her and I'm your master, so you have to do this. Which is a little bit different than the Disney movie where <laughs> um, the guy is, Froyo is like, just like his like father figure kind of, not just like he like takes him from the street. I don't know, it's a little bit different, but anyway. So Quasimodo goes up to Esmeralda and says, my master wants to meet you and if you don't come with me, uh, that'll be the end of me. So you have to come. Um, but as he's like talking to her, Froyo comes up behind him and like fake strangles her and she falls on the ground. And then he runs away and Quasimodo is left with this girl who's like on the ground and everyone thinks like the townspeople come up and they think that Quasimodo did it. So they, he gets accused of this crime that he didn't commit and he's shackled around the neck, which I thought was kind of horrible and also kind of funny because like I guess that's how you shackle a dog. I don't really know. <laughs> but um, he's shackled and then he's like on this like wooden plank and they're like spinning him around in this crowd and everyone is like jeering at him again and talking about how ugly he is um and he says he's just so thirsty he just wants someone to bring him water and they're like we'll bring you water if you kiss this lady and then she like gets really worked up and she like doesn't want to do that and then Esmeralda brings him water and then like shows him some kindness and then Dom Froyo attacks her boyfriend to get back at her for being nice to, to Quasimodo. And so then she's accused of a crime and she's sentenced to death for attacking her boyfriend, allegedly. Um, and so she's like at the gallows getting ready to be hung. And Froyo says to her that he did it and offers to spare her life if she will like be his girlfriend, essentially. And she turns him down and then she like, you know, gets led to the gallows. And Quasimodo is watching from the tower and jumps out of the tower, distracts the executioner, grabs his leg, and they run to the cathedral to hide. And that's basically where it ends. Like they're like basically, I'm assuming they just like take up sanctuary in the cathedral and that's where they live for their days. Yeah, the um, Froyo says, like, I'm your master, and Quasimodo says, not anymore, and that's it. <laughs> like, they, as we know from the Disney movie, they shout, sanctuary! <laughs> <laughs> so, I, don't know. I was hoping they would say that in this, but they didn't. So, at the end of the episode, also, they give us a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff, and I remember this, like, to a T. I remember this when we were kids. Um, and they talk about how they use extras and how they 
um, like only had like 20 extras and then they just like replicated them with visual effects to fill the courtyard. And they didn't need to like fill the courtyard with people. It was just basically the same people that they moved around in different zones. And I thought that was super cool. And I've remembered it since I was a kid. So that's, I mean, obviously it was impactful. Um, so yeah, that was the whole episode. I thought both pieces were very good. The Wishbone story and the Hunchback of Notre Dame story, both excellent. I agree. And as you were talking about how you remembered that part from being kids, I honestly wonder if I've ever seen this episode. I didn't remember the roller hockey. I didn't remember... Oh, I might have remembered like the unicorn glass thing, but all of this oh. felt very fresh and new to me. And um, I thought the way that they, that thing with the extras was like so cool. Um, I've like, you know, seen sometimes things like that, like in how did they make this Marvel movie or whatever, but yeah. um, I thought that was awesome. Um, and I also really enjoyed uh, kind of the beginning and where we introduced to Esmeralda. There's lots of like music and she's the only person there. There's no musicians around her. And there, she's also shaking a tambourine, but the sounds of the tambourine don't match like her. <laughs> <laughs> the tambourine. So I was a little bit entertained like that. Like they clearly just scored it. And then we're like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like she's still dancing. Um, but I agree. I loved the both halves of the episode. I thought it went together really well. Um, I thought like the themes kind of matched the themes of like kindness and like being out of sorts. Um, mm -hmm. And I think like the knowledge of the Disney movie, what little I remember from like 20 years ago, um, did help me follow the story a little bit, but um, I thought it was really well yeah. done. Yeah, I agree. Um... I don't remember the Disney movie that well either, but I think like kind of just background knowledge of it definitely helped. Yeah. Um, so do you have any notes on fashion or Wishbone's costumes that you wanted to share? Uh, loved his little like Motley Fool Prince of Thieves hat. Um, I thought he was so calm during that like the crowd shots I was very impressed by the dog wishbone in all these because there's a lot of people um in these uh, in this episode even if it was like let's say 20 people there's a, like the crew that's like another 20 people right like so I was really they were all yelling and like like pumping their fists in the air like they were really riled and so yeah I think you're right yeah I was pretty impressed people shouting <laughs> in this episode what about you yeah I didn't I mean, I thought it was like a very good 90s outfit episode, but nothing that really stuck out. Um, the Quasimodo costume was cute, but it wasn't anything like amazing. We've definitely seen better costumes. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good point that he was very, he was very well behaved. You know, there were some shots and I didn't, I didn't see this in any of the notes when I looked on IMDb, but there were some shots where Wishbone looked like a different dog when he was like, in his Quasimodo costume, I when, they panned, when they panned him, he looked like he had a different face shape, and I thought that was really strange. I thought so, too. I wonder if maybe it was something with how they, like, add extras or, like, something with the comp. Like, I didn't check the credits, but there was more than one moment where I was like, this is where they start using multiple dogs. Like, I don't think this is just soccer anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, like I said, I didn't see it on IMDb, but it could, I mean, I didn't really dig for it too much, but um, I did see that Esmeralda and Dom Froyo are 
uh, regular Wishbone players. So we have seen them before and we will certainly see them again. Um, so we can keep our eyes peeled for them. Other than that, I mean, I thought it was a really solid episode. I think um, all the things we've said already is just really well done, really enjoyable. I Like this is up there with one of my favorites that we've watched so far. I just, I loved it. I would say it too. I think this is definitely one of the best episodes we've seen. I loved, loved both halves, loved how they tied together, was really entertained. Um, and then also like, it's going to stick with me, like the things that we've been talking about, like those are things that are definitely going to stick with me. So do you have any key takeaways from the episode? Yeah, um, it's actually something that you mentioned a couple minutes ago. It's really like, remember what it's like to be new in a place or remember what it's like to um, be an amateur. I think those are two things that it is hard to remember the farther and farther you get from that day where you were like brave enough to try this thing for the first time. Like the first time you went for a hike or the first time you went for like a long bike ride by yourself or, some, or like the first time you like joined a workplace or like joined a book club, like things like that. Um, so I think uh, Sam was very gracious and kind and um, thoughtful and also acknowledged with her words that it is hard to be new instead of just, I think there's, it's different, like just, you know, going out of your way to be kind, that person might take it in a way where they're like, is this person actually being nice to me? Or do they want to like, like, are they doing this for a good reason? But I think um, a lot, like letting people be vulnerable and saying like, yeah, this is a hard time. Um, that kind of helps you bond as well. So I liked that. Well, I also think like be kind to yourself, right? Like, even if you know, like, even if you, you know, you've been the new person at work before, you're going to get another job and you're going to be the new person again and like give yourself some space to be the new person and to learn and to be uncomfortable and to like not know what's going on all the time and like not beat yourself up for it. That's really hard. And I think um, Sam like kind of reminds Nathaniel of that too, right? Like, you know, this is, you don't know how to do this yet. It's okay. You can learn. Yeah. So I think that that's... I think that's really a good observation and something I think about too because especially like in these past couple months um, so I finished grad school during quarantine and I'm currently unemployed and looking for a job and there's all sorts of like you know fake advice going around like oh you should have learned everyone who's unemployed should be learning these skills or performing these actions or doing these things and I think like I don't see myself doing all those things but every so often I like get really interested in something or even this podcast is a good example like we just tried it out and like the farther the more we record the more we do it like we're getting better and better at it and it's making me feel like hey like I could do more of these or I should do more of these because every time we have a conversation it's super cool and fun and the stuff that we talk about is very relevant to our lives like as Julie just mentioned um but I think uh, I'm, I'm someone who likes to try a lot of things. So I, and even then, like, I haven't, like, desensitized myself from that, like, insecurity of what is it, um, what is it going to look like to be new at something or, or fail at something? Yeah. I think the other thing that I took away from this episode is to, to play to your strengths and to know, you know, it's okay not to be good at everything. And even if you've like, 
and practicing at something. If you're not good at it, that's okay. Like you're not going to be an all-star at all the things. But Nathaniel really made himself invaluable to their team by being a good goalie, by playing to his strength. If he had been up there trying to score goals and skating around, he would have been a hindrance. But by putting himself in the goal, he made himself invaluable. And so I think like understanding, you know, it's important to push yourself and to try new things and to, you know, think outside the box, but also knowing what your lane is sometimes and just staying in your lane is also important and so you have to like learn to balance those things um and I think that's something I could probably remind myself of every day you know to do both yeah very very true very very (laughs) it's deep at the end of these episodes sometimes it does that's what I love like the ones that the ones that I enjoy the most are the ones where our conversations kind of get twisty turny like this and we take a Me chance. Um, and the episode was good too. Like, yeah. if you get at the surface level, like it would have, <laughs> it was highly entertaining. Yeah. So do you have any recommendations for our listeners? Yes. This week, my recommendation is audiobooks from the library. Yay. Um, Yay! I think uh, a lot of libraries have been really good about um, offering content online and tutorials on how to access content online and also helping you get your library card online if you don't have one, um, which has been great. Um, uh, and I, the reason why I'm suggesting audiobooks in particular is I have been having a hard time reading sometimes. Like it's hard to stay focused. It's hard to do things like that, but I like to go on walks and I've been um, putting on an audiobook. and in a week I can get through an audiobook um, with like an hour walk in a day or something like that. And I like that. Um, I haven't used audiobooks in a couple of years, actually. The last time I used them was when I had really long commutes. Um, or if I'm like traveling somewhere and I just want to like listen to something. Um, so I forgot that they are a great way to take content in, um, when I'm focused on taking content, like I'm not someone who can play audiobooks in the background. Um, so yeah, I recommend, um, if you haven't ever used an audiobook from the library, Google your library's name and the word audiobook, and they probably have directions on how to um, use the Overdrive or Libby or um, Kimpy or Hoopla, or they're kind of all over the place right now, um, apps, but that is my recommendation. Excellent recommendation. I would also say on that note, um, Shauna, you're a fiction audiobook listener, right? Um, I am a nonfiction audiobook listener, and I think if you're new to audiobooks, it's important to test it out and see which ones fit better for you. Um, I also listen to audiobooks when I'm walking or if I'm on a long bike ride. I really like to listen to an audiobook. Um, I have been listening to the new Jim Crow for months because it's like 17 hours long, and (laughs) even listening to it on like one and a half speed, it's still taking me a very long time to get through it. Um, I don't, I don't listen to it every time I bike or walk, but, um, I think it's, it's good to know kind of like what, what suits you. So if you don't, if it doesn't click right away, I would say don't give up on it and try a couple different kinds of books and see if you can get invested that way. Yeah, I agree. 
And it's funny that you make that comparison because for me, part of the reason I usually don't like to read nonfiction as audiobooks is I want to make a lot of notes while I'm listening. And mm -hmm. I actually just finished a really good nonfiction audiobook. Um, and I kept, you can bookmark in the audiobook. Um, but then I was like, okay, now I have to like go back and like click all the bookmarks and then write the notes that I wanted to make. Um, whereas if I read like a digital library book, then I just make the notes like in the app um, and then I look at it later. So it's funny. That's funny. I think the reason why I listen to nonfiction over fiction is that I often space out a little bit. And with a nonfiction, you can kind of space out a little bit and like get back into it and you don't like lose major, major plot points. Um, and if you're listening to fiction, you just can't follow along if you are not a good listener. Which yeah, you lose like major plot points. <laughs> and then you don't know what's going on anymore and you have to like rewind and yeah. Um, cool. Well, my recommendation is like kind of basic because everyone is recommending it on Instagram right now. But Netflix is the home edit is a phenomenal TV show. Um, I did not know who these people were before this show popped up on my Netflix queue. I'm like way out of the loop on it. But they're hilarious. They are really smart. And I think what I like the best is that as someone who is on um, a sufferer of OCD, but also a pack rat, they have very helpful tips. <laughs> and I read Marie Kondo's book and I was like, girl, I just can't with your system. Like, I am not going to get rid of all of my possessions. I am not going, it's just not, it's not how I'm built. I am going to keep my things. So how can I organize them in a way that's helpful? And I feel like um, Clea and Joanna really have tangible ways to keep all of your stuff um in one episode they were talking to a woman who's like perpetually saying she's gonna have a garage sale and they were like okay you can say that you're gonna have a garage sale but once all the things you're gonna have in your garage sale exceed this zone you either need to go to goodwill or you need to have your garage sale and i was like that's helpful as someone who's also always saying that i'm going to have a garage sale um so i just feel like they're they're helpful they're kind they're not like shaming people which is also important um and it's very funny and everyone's recommending it because it's good so you should take the world's recommendation i've seen the recommendation a few times i knew about them because um i follow exactly three influencers <laughs> and all of them have worked with them they're not i say influencers but they're like people who are involved in fashion and design like have companies and things like that um but I have not watched it because I don't like have my own home right now. <laughs> so I was like, if I watch this, I'm just going to be sad. <laughs> so I'm like, that's fair. So I'm like, I'm really excited to watch it. Like once I actually live somewhere, um, I personally feel like I have too much stuff. So I'm always like culling and um, especially every time I move, I cull a little bit more. So I think it'll be nice to like, um, move to a new place, kind of call a little bit more again, watch the show and get inspired. Yeah, I think they've got good tips for setting up a new home, for reorganizing your space. Their closets all look beautiful when they're done with them. I've never had a closet that looks that good, so it's a life ball for sure. The pantries are always amazing. Amazing. My pantry does not look like that. I'll tell you that much right now. My trick with pantries is a long time ago, like seven or eight years ago, I lived in an apartment that didn't have a pantry with a door. It just had like 
shelves built into the wall that weren't very deep. So I bought all these, I took measurements, I went to the container store and I found these CD racks that were the perfect like depth for these. So I bought like six of them. And now in every apartment I've lived in, it's been like the perfect pantry organizer <laughs> for me. Like I use them in every pantry. Like I have them here with me. I'm like, wow, this organizing game, it's no joke. It's no joke. It's an expensive hobby, but if it makes your life easier. It's worth an investment if you have the disposable income for it. Or even go to the dollar store. That's another hot tip. The dollar store is an underrated store and they have very nice bins for very affordable cost. And I used them to organize my entire craft supply. And I have a lot of craft supplies. So that's a hot tip for you right there that's to go with the home. Yeah. Thank you, Jillian. All right. Well, thank you, Shauna. And thank you everyone for listening and for joining us on another episode. We'll talk to you next week. Subscribe to What's the Story with Jillian and Shauna wherever you listen to podcasts. Every episode of Wishbone is on YouTube and we've linked them for you at wishbonepodcast.com. Hope you'll join in.